I want to welcome all our friends that are here and visiting for the first time. We are Every Nation, Heldeberg. We love the Lord sincerely with all our hearts, and it is our privilege to welcome you today. We pray that the Word of God will just minister to your hearts and that as you leave, the Spirit of God would have done something in your hearts as well. We've just finished a, a series it's called the Abide Series, and we're talking about the power and the beauty of God's Word. And this morning, we actually have the privilege of actually going into one of my best chapters in the book of John, which is John chapter 15. And John writes the gospel in a way which is very, very different from Mark, Luke, and uh, Matthew. How can I forget Matthew? Matthew, yeah. <laughs> I'm not preaching again, I promise. Right, so everywhere else when you read in the gospels, it really focuses on Christ's genealogy and the things that he did. But John starts to talk about who God or Jesus is. And as you read the book of John, there's just an element of understanding who Jesus is, not only to us as believers, but in the greater cosmos of the world. And so you read through the, the couple of chapters, and God, Jesus starts to talk about who he is. He says, I'm the light of the world, and I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And, you know, I am the good shepherd that gives his life for the sheep. And he says, you know, I'm the resurrection and the life. And all these things is trying to show that he's not only a man who was walking and doing amazing things and an incredible teacher, but he himself was fully man, but at the same time fully God. And so when we get to chapter 15, what's now happened is Jesus is about to leave the earth and he's had his last supper with his disciples in the upper room. He's given them a couple of words to say, hey guys, I'm actually leaving the earth in the next couple of hours. A lot of them are quite confused. They're like, but Jesus, we thought you had come here so that you would be like the president and that you would take over the country and Israel would be great again and we had this great triumphal entry and people threw their robes and threw palms and people thought Israel was going to be great again, make America great again, make Israel great again, right? But then Jesus says, no, I am actually going to die. And then he actually says at the last supper that not only am I going to die, but there is actually someone sitting right here who is going to betray me, right? And, you know, everyone's like, no, who's going to betray? It's where your 12 buddies, where you're like, you're in a circle, and there's this ramble, and Jesus does one of the most amazing things. He takes off his own garments, and he starts to wash his disciples' feet. He washes his disciples' feet. It's him ceremoniously cleaning them and saying, hey, guys, this is the end, and he talks to them. And we know from Scripture that between that moment and between the moment where he separates the three and he goes and he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's praying so hard and he says, Father, you know, you know, it is your will, but you know, if I had it my way, may this cup pass by. Between that moment, this is where John chapter 15 happens, where Jesus starts to talk about the vine. And being people who've grown up in the church, we've had this sermon preached a million times, right? But my prayer this morning is, as we spend the next couple of minutes, that it will not just be, oh, I've heard this before, you know, yeah, I know this scripture. Because sometimes we can get familiar, really familiar with the word of God. So that is my prayer, that as we go through, you will be able to hear what God is saying to you in your individual life. Someone said amen. John chapter 15, if you have your Bibles with you, may you flip over. If you're old school like me, your Bible weighs a ton. If you are new school, then you can slide and put in your pattern. And I will begin to read. And this is our main text. John writes, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Therefore, abide in me and I in you. Someone say, I want to abide in the Lord today. As the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Someone say, I want to bear much fruit today. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, you will be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Amen. So John starts John chapter 15 by three or four very important statements. And I read this scripture a million times, like I said, growing up um, in the church, and I read it like someone would read English. When Jesus says, I am the true vine, a couple of times that I read it, I read it like someone would just say, I am a soccer player. I am a physiotherapist. I am an accountant. I am a student. I am hungry. I am wishing the service was over already. Whatever you say. It, I just read it like an English statement. If you get it into the original text, the reason why the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all these people wanted to kill Jesus is that he was not just saying, I am a plant. He was saying, I am. And I am is saying, I am God. If you'd remember, Moses goes to the burning bush, sees this amazing thing, he runs up, he sees this bush and it's burning and he has no idea why it's burning and he's like, I'm in the wilderness, I'm looking after this flock and he, he goes near to try and see what's happening with this bush that is burning, but it's not being consumed. And then he meets with the Lord. The Lord tells him, hey, take off your sneakers, your Air Jordans, this is holy ground, right? He takes off his sandals, he has this conversation with God, and God gives him a commission. And then he's about to go, and then he says, uh, God, before I go, the people I'm going to talk to are quite stubborn. When I go and tell them that I met with God and I, he gave me this word for them, who must I say sent me? And God said to him, tell them that I am sent you. I am who I am, the everlasting, eternal, immortal, self-existent God. He who reigns above the heavens and the earth, and I am the one who is sending you, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am God. And so when Jesus says, I am the light, he's not merely talking about the lights that we see. He's declaring his deity. He's saying, I am actually God, and through God do we get light, and I am the light of that world. And so here, he's not talking just about a plant. He says, I am the true vine. I am the real and only true vine. The world has a way of making us think that there are other sources for our lives. And Jesus here is declaring that God is our source. We are the branches. You might think that our lives are only stable because of economists and politicians and maybe doctors, maybe theologians, maybe these days people who know virology and people who can do uh, science investigations and stock markets and your employers. But Jesus is saying to them, I am actually the vine. I am the true vine. I am your true source. I'm the one that sustains and gives you life. Paul writes it and puts it this way. He says, in him we live, we move, and we have our being. He says we do not exist, we do not exist, and we cannot exist outside him. He's the one that gives us the fullness of our life, the very breath that we breathe. Everything that is within our fabric is fully sustained by him. When John writes about it, he says, in him, everything was created. He was before all things, and him, all things hold fast. Our lives and everything about our lives, here on earth and eternally, is intricately tied into him. And the moment we understand that we are branches and that we are tied into him, that he is the source of everything that we need, 
Peter writes it this way and he says, he has given us all things that we need for life and for godliness. Everything that we need is tied to the fact that he is the true vine and we are his branches that are connected to him. When you take a branch of the vine, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to know this. The vine dies. Why? Because it gets all its life, all its nutrition, all its support from the vine. When it's windy and it's raining and it's hard and it's turbulent, this branch is secure because it's holding on to the vine. When people come and they pluck off grapes and they, they prune it and all the sorts, it remains steadfast because it is connected to the vine. And my question this morning is, do you have Jesus as the true vine in your life? A couple of years ago, I just got in what I thought was my dream job. And um, we had decided with my wife that it was time we wanted to start a family. And so God blessed us at that time. And uh, my wife was found to be with child. And that's how they say it in the Bible. She was found to be with child. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Do not, I don't think I'm going to be allowed to preach <laughs> That's what the Bible says Alright, so A couple of months before um, We were expecting Something funny happened at the workplace She worked for an office That seemed to have something against Women when they became pregnant So whenever you got pregnant They would find performance issues with you right? And so she, the previous lady Who was in a role Got fired when she was pregnant then it was her turn, and like, suddenly the boss started to have problems with her because, you know, she's like, yeah, you're coming late. But, you know, first trimester, second trimester, we used to get in the car. Just as we're about to leave, she wants to vomit, and then she has to run back in now. So she can never be on time, right? But her boss didn't like that, and I think they didn't want to pay benefits. And so there was just a system where every single person who would go into become pregnant would eventually get fired. So I think around this fifth or sixth month, my wife and I were talking, I can't remember the exact time, but around that time we, we decided, look, just leave the job, okay? Just leave the job, we're not going to the CCMA, we're just gonna carry on with our lives. And we took that decision in faith, right? We took it in faith because we also looked at it logically and we said, look, I've just been promoted, I earn a little bit more, I am tithing pastor, so, um, we're good, you can resign. The moment she resigned, literally three, four days later, my CEO fell, he flew down from Sweden or wherever he is, in a really bad mood, and he started just cursing everyone out and mistreating people, and he was, was just a racist. I'd never, never met this guy. I just reported to him, but I'd never met him. And at that time, he was asking us to do something which was both illegal and immoral, which was really to, to fire people and tell them that the company wasn't doing well only because he wanted to move his business out of South Africa to Fiji because the labor there was cheaper. And I had just been promoted to be the manager. And it was now my responsibility to go and deliver the message. So I, I went to the CEO, never met him. Everyone's petrified of him. And I said to him, um, excuse me, Mr. I'll get sued. I can't say his name. But I, I can't do this. Right? Um, you and I know that the business is doing well. You and I know that the reason why we want to move the business out of South Africa is because you're looking for a higher profit margin. So it's only fair that we go through the legislative process of retrenchment, and as we go through that process, we give the employees a fair bargain. They get good severance packages, because if the business goes and says it's bankrupt, you can then negotiate smaller packages. But if it's a business case where we've got money, but we're moving our business, then the employees have got an opportunity to bargain for more. And that's exactly what he didn't want. So when I told him this, he was absolutely mad. And he was like, where did you do your management? It seems like you are on the side of the employees and on, not on the side of the business. You know? And then I said to him, look, it's not really about management. It's also about who I am. I cannot go and stand and lie in front of people just because I'm a manager at this organization. So he said to me, look, I'm going to fire you if you don't do this. You can imagine my drive home. My wife has just left her job. I am five minutes from being fired, and I had a decision to make. 
at that time. He said to me, if you do this thing, if you go and talk to the employees, go to whatever through the process of residence packages, and they go, I am guaranteeing you a job and your family, and you will go and head our center in Fiji. Now think about it on the islands, guys. Think about it. Me, my wife, and my kids chilling in the sun, blue sea, no sharks, right? Cool water, not cold like the Western Cape. That's what was on offer. But I went home and I said to my wife, this is a difficult, difficult decision. My wife is a few months from giving birth. We don't have the money to be able to pay the bill at Medi Clinic. She's not working. I have an offer here to secure my children's future because I will allow myself to compromise who I am or I have to make a decision as a person and say, do you know what? God, you are my source. This job, this CEO, this company is not actually my source. It is only an avenue through which you have provided. And if I do the right thing and I trust in you, you find another opportunity to bless me. And so we prayed about it. In the morning we woke up, I got into my old Ford Telstar, got onto the R27, drove to the office, went in to see the CEO, and I told him, I'm really sorry, I cannot do this. Therefore he said, all right, I'm calling in the HR person, we are going to give you your notice of termination, we found someone else who is willing to do the job. At that moment, I have to be very honest with you, it felt like I did the right thing, but I also felt like I did the wrong thing. But sometimes you have to declare truth in situations and just walk in faith. So I walked out, I went and I sat on my desk, and I knew I had one more month to work here and do what I need to do. So an email was sent to the business, and they said, it's unfortunate, we have to let you know that Matthew has found better opportunity, da, 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 and so forth. Our new manager is going to be this guy, and so forth. And that guy came and he initiated the process. As the moment he started initiating the process, I opened my email, and I had two job offers, which were at least five times what this guy was going to offer me. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Because I took the opportunity to say, God, you are the true vine. You are my source. I get everything that I need from you. Without you, I am nothing. And I rely completely on you. So I don't know where you are today. Maybe you are tied down by an employer. Maybe there's a job that you feel you're so dependent on. Maybe there's a person in your life that you are so dependent on. Maybe there's an economy, a politician, a doctor that you're so dependent on. Jesus is saying, I am. He is God, and he is the true vine. Side note, Jesus is the true vine, not some man of God, not some prophet or some person who purposes to stay in some upper room in heaven and directly hears from God and hears stuff that you can't hear. Jesus is saying, I am the true vine. There are so many believers who are tied down to their churches, tied down to a man of God, tied down to a ministry movement. They cannot pray for themselves. They cannot hear God for themselves. They feel like there is a papa an important person, someone who is the true person who connects me. There is nothing that is connecting you to the vine. He is the true vine and you are the branches. You connect directly into him. This is the new covenant. We have an opportunity to be connected directly, to hear directly from God and not to be bound by so many people who are trying to take your money and to take your peace and to take just your basic common sense, right? And so I want us to, mature, to be mature as Christians and just to understand that Jesus is the true vine. Now, he goes on and he says, my father is the vine dresser. Now, when I was studying this over the last couple of weeks, they say in the old days in Israel, the vines did not grow the way they grow in our beautiful farm, wine farms around here. When you go to Boschendal, Hazendal, and all the rest, the vines actually grew on the ground in the vineyard. And the vine dresser, his job was to walk around with a small little bucket with water. And what he'd literally do is he would go and he would pick up the grapes 
and he would wash them, take off the mud, if they're like some cobwebs or whatever it is, he would take them off. And then he would look for the vines that are growing out into areas where there isn't fertile soil and you'd sort of push them back. For the ones that have gone over the fence, he would prune them and cut them, right? For the ones that are growing underneath the other ones, he would separate the branches so that every grape gets enough exposure to the sun. And this was the job of the vine dresser. So his job was just to go through and walk through the vineyard and make sure that every single grape and every single branch is making sure that it is getting great exposure to the light and that it is still connected. It reminds me of a scripture where the Bible says, the spirit of the Lord goes through the earth, searching for those that are faithful to him. That's God going through and looking for those branches and saying, I'm looking for this branch and it's not getting enough light and I'm going to wash this branch with, with the power of the word and I'm going to cleanse it. And that is God's role in our life. He's searching for us and he's looking for us wherever we are and he's fighting on our behalf and making sure that we're healthy. And the Bible says that one of the things that the vine dresser used to do is that he used to prune the plant. He used to prune it. Now, pruning literally means cutting. Now, I was reading a little bit more into this and I tried to understand why would you prune a plant? So there are literally two reasons. Number one, because there isn't growth, right? When there is no growth, people who are into plants and all the sorts, they'll prune the plant so that it remains healthy. Sometimes there isn't enough nutrition for the number of branches and I think if we make it a bit thinner and this and this, so it it will bear. And sometimes they'll see that there's a branch that is here that is just taking up space, but there's no fruit on it. So better we cut off this branch so that the other branches at least will get those nutrients so that the fruit may be healthy. But sometimes also pruning comes because there's too much growth. Now, so Pierre gave a very good example. Sometimes we are so pursuant about certain goals and we want certain things and we're pursuing bigger houses and bigger cars. We want to stay in bigger estates and so forth. And sometimes that growth actually limits the fruit in our lives. Have you ever met people who have been so blessed they're now too busy for church? So are you coming to Life Group? No, I'm actually flying to Joburg on Friday because I got a meeting with a potential investor. And then from Joburg, I'm flying to Dubai because, you know, there's another investor who wants to buy into the company. And two weeks later, we'll be coming back because I'm taking my family, you know, to Las Vegas because, <laughs> you know, I've been so busy, you know. Yeah, you know so, yeah, so when I do come back, maybe I'll see. But, you know, I'm starting another business in Durban. You know how it is. You know, I'm, you're so busy that you actually don't have time for God anymore. And so do you know what God has a habit of doing? He has a habit of pruning. Because too much growth sometimes is bad for the plant. And then you come to the intercessors and you say, oh, intercessors, pray for me. My business is closing. I can't understand it. God is pruning your life. Sometimes you're even in a relationship and you can't understand. What's the term the young people use these days? He ghosted me. Is that the right word? <laughs> young people, youth, help me out. That's the right word? The guy just ghosted me. Elena, you shouldn't know these things. <laughs> you do, right? He just ghosted me. Like, he disappeared. Like, he doesn't return my calls. He doesn't like my pictures on Instagram anymore. Oh, my God, he unfollowed me. Maybe God is pruning you. And the plant needs to be okay when God prunes it. So what, is, what fruit is God looking for when... He comes to the plant. If we are abiding in him and we are this branch that is in the vine, and what the scripture we've just spoken about says, if this branch is in the vine, it will bear much fruit. And you might be wondering, okay, I, I want to abide in the vine, but what fruit should I be bearing? Philippians chapter 1 verse 11 talks about being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. The fruits of righteousness. Colossians 1 verse 10 says, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing, abounding in the knowledge of God. Walk as, walk as children of the light, bearing the fruit of the Spirit in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is the acceptable law of the Lord. Find out what is acceptable to God. That's growing in fruit. And obviously we all know Galatians chapter 5, 22, when it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Are you a good person? Not an angry Christian. 
Are you a good person? Do people love you? Are you meek? Are you humble? Are you, are you caring? You know, do, you, do you have you know, meekness in you? And people come and approach you. Do, they have, do you have gentleness, self-control? Are those things abounding in your life? That is the fruit that God is looking for. God is also looking for the fruit of the Spirit. Right? In our lives, it must be evident. That shows that we are connected to the vine. Spiritual gifts, are these abounding in your life? Are you, are you growing and beginning to speak in tongues and to, to have a little bit of wisdom and to have faith and, and, and to believe God for big things in, in your family and in your community? This is the fruit that Christ is looking for. Now, there is a declaration I wanted us to make this morning. And the words here are, you can repeat after me. Dear God, you are the gardener. And I submit my life into your hands. I desire to live a life that is fruitful. In your eyes. I desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus. In my family and in my community. Prune my life, O oh Lord. That I may be even more fruitful. Cut out from me the things that are dead weight and that stop me from bearing much fruit. In verse 4, he then says, abide in me and I in you. The Greek word for abide is the word meno, M-E-N-O. And that word literally means to remain, to stay in your habitat. It's commonly used in the Bible when they are describing a home. So it means this place where you spend a lot of time is usually your home. And so Jesus is basically saying, I am the true vine. I should be your home. I should not be a place that you visit once in a while. I should not be a place that you frequent when you have a request. I should not be a place that you call on as a last-case scenario when things haven't worked out. He says you need to abide in me. Some translations say remain in me. The branch does not wake up on a Friday evening and say, hey, do you know what? I need to go away. I need to go check the fellas out. I'll be back. Jesus, I'll plug into you on Sunday morning. Sunday afternoon, great weather. I'm out. I'm going to the ocean. I'll be back Tuesday. You remain plugged in. We went to the UK in uh, 2015. My aunt is married to a British man, and they love their tea. So we were there, and uh, my aunt and Uncle Dave asked my wife to go and make tea. You know, so they have tea like at 10 in the morning, at 12, at 3, at 5. It's like tea the whole day, right? So they asked her to go and make tea. So my wife went and she made tea. And she came and she served it, and they had a sip of the tea. They're like, and then they put the cups down. And they're like, your tea is not right, right? So I'm like, dude, it's tea. Tea is not complicated to make. It's water, tea bag, and that's it. We learned that the British love to actually brew their tea. And the concept of brewing is you've got the hot water, whether you're using a tea bag or you're using actual tea leaves, the tea bag or the tea leaves actually need to stay in the water. The longer it stays in the water, the more the fragrance and the aroma and the texture of that actual tea infuses into the water. Now, fast people like me, we get a cup of tea, we take the tea bag, we dip it in, dip it out, throw it away, put some sugar, drink, I'm gone. The concept is, if we connect with Jesus, let's not be that tea bag that just goes, and you're out. Be that tea bag that stays in the water, that is brewing slowly that is absorbing all the texture and all the color and all the richness and all the kindness and all the goodness and all the love and all the meekness and all the anointing that is within the water. 
The branch doesn't visit the vine, it abides in the vine. It remains in the vine and is constantly connected to it. So you may then ask me, what does abiding look like? Thanks, Matt, your sermon was, uh, was funny. Um, but what does abiding actually look like? Like, what should I do when I go home to go and abide? Let's learn to abide in the word. In this particular sermon series, we've been talking about abiding in the word. I have a couple of friends, and you might know guys like this as well. Sorry, guys, I'm picking up on you. You get into any sports conversation with him. He will tell you about the Super Rugby final in 1994. He will tell you the starting lineup, who got injured at which minute, and which wrong calls were made by the ref. They can tell you the Manchester United team, the substitute, and the guys who pack the kits for them. If you want to talk about Bitcoin, they can tell you about Bitcoin and Ethereum and cryptocurrency and blockchain. You want to talk about politics, they can tell you the difference between Democrats and conservatives and the Bill of Law and the Senate. And then you ask them, how many Bibles, how many books are there in the Bible? It's like, uh, 24 and a half? Like, not abiding in the Word. We are in a generation of people who are lazy to read the Bible. Really, really lazy to read the Bible. I was having tea with Anthony last week, and some of you will remember that he preached, I think, two, three weeks ago. And he was saying, Matt, I actually struggled when I was preaching because sometimes I've got too many scriptures in my head. And, and they, they just start coming up, and sometimes I don't know which scripture to say. And sometimes I get lost by too many scriptures in my head. And I said, Ant, you have a very good problem. How many of you want Ant's problem? I'm like, Jesus, I want to go into a situation with my family, and I'm like, God, should I hit them with Proverbs 3, verse 5? Huh? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your honor. No, I'm not going to use that one. I've got another one. Huh? God gave me so much word and so much scripture so that I can face and walk this life full of your word. Jesus says, if you abide in me, and if my words abide in you, then you can ask for anything in my name, and God will do it. We need to love the Bible, saints. The psalmist writes and says, this word, it is sweeter than honey. Honey from the honeycomb. The psalmist writes again, and he said, blessed is the man who meditates on this law day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by streams of water. It's Leaves, they, they, they bear fruit in the right season. We need to love the word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but this word will last forever. Ask yourself, when was the last time you actually took time to read the Bible? I was told of a story of a very wealthy man, and um, his, his daughter was, uh, had a wedding coming up, and they prepared for the wedding, they had a very lavish five-star wedding and everything. And as is typical at a wedding, the father and the mother of the bride and the groom will come and give a gift, right? And um, at this particular wedding, all the ceremony, the ceremonial stuff had been done. And it came to that moment where the father was supposed to give a gift. And, you know, this man was really, really wealthy. So he had wine farms, businesses, houses, mansions, boats, and so forth. And so the daughter is sitting there with her husband. And, you know, they are rubbing each other. And you're like, ah just what we've been waiting for. <laughs> you know, get the speeches over. Dad is about to talk. And dad and mom came up and... Um, they gave their speech and said how happy they were for the newlyweds. And they said, our gift for you is the Bible. We want you in your marriage to be people who read the Bible. We seek for wisdom and for counsel from God because he is our source. Everything that your mom and I, that you see in our lives, we have because we've been people who've relied solely on God. So you can imagine... Like, they were like, and, the Bible, and, the Bible, and, and the father said, thank you very much, and he went to sit down. And you can imagine the amount of disappointment this young lady had. I was expecting my father to give me something important. And so they went for the honeymoon, they came back, and the parents didn't message them because they had the honeymoon and so forth. But when they came back, they started to message their daughter and son and say, hey, how are you doing, and so forth, and they would not respond. Or they'll be just like, we're fine. We're good. So the father sensed there was something wrong with the relationship. And so the father called the daughter and like, let's have coffee together. And they sat down and they, 
sat up and they, they were having a conversation. And the father said, look, I'm sensing that you're not happy with me. Um, did I do something wrong? And then she was like, dad, you know, you're my father. I can be very honest with you. Look, we were looking forward to you blessing us at our wedding. I have nothing against the Bible, right? But the fact that you gave us a Bible, you know, we thought maybe you're yeah, good to give us a Bible and then give us something else. And the father asked them an important question. Did you open the Bible? And they're like, no. Because when they got the Bible, they were so angry, just threw it on some desk and so forth. And the father said, inside the Bible, on the very, very first page, where the title deeds to all my properties. But they had never bothered to open the Bible. God has got so many promises, so many breakthroughs, so much of what you actually need now, and it's in the Bible. But you need to open it. I have nothing against WhatsApp statuses. I have nothing against Facebook posts. But that is not reading the Bible. Someone say amen. amen. Don't go to Facebook and scroll and say, I saw a scripture, I've read the Bible. We need to abide by reading the Bible. And whether you're old school and actually have a Bible that's marked out and scratched out and written out, or you have a reading plan or new version, whatever works for you, but go and read the Bible. I'll rush through the rest because of our time. Abide in the Spirit. Abide in the Spirit. In John chapter 14, just before Jesus gives the scripture about abiding, he actually says, I am living, but I am not leaving you alone. I am living and someone is coming, a counselor, someone who is going to be able to walk this life with you. But you also need to abide in the Spirit. We need to be comfortable with spending time in the presence of God. Not jumping in and jumping out, jumping in and jumping out. Let's wake up in the morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Where am I going today? What am I going to do today? As I was, as I was coming from uh, tea um, with Anthony, I got to, to the front of, of our property. And uh, on Tuesdays, our, our refuse is collected on Tuesdays. And there are a couple of bins. And as, as I was parking my car, I noticed a young man. And I was telling Pierre about this. This young man should really be in school, maybe about that age, your guy's age, right? This young man, but he was in the bins looking for stuff, right? And so just like with normal times when you see people picking up a litter, you just drive past, but something in my heart tagged at me, right? And so I was like, do you know what? This young man should really be in school. This is not right. And so I dashed into the house, a couple of pairs of shoes that I, don't, I wasn't putting on. I put them in a bag. I picked up a couple of other things, put in a little money, and I went and I gave him. I was like, dude, leave the bins. Just go home. Be blessed. And he left. But that, and I'm not telling this to try and brag or anything. The learning for me was when I went back in the house and I sat down, I actually thought to myself, did I do the right thing? Because I acted out of impulse, out of my natural self. You see someone suffering, you just quick to throw money, quick to throw a gift, quick to give a lift. And I said, I didn't take a moment to say, Jesus, I'm feeling something in my heart here. What is the right thing for me to do? I just jumped at it. Maybe those shoes did not benefit him at all. Maybe that's not what he needed. Maybe I needed to have the conversation with the young man and say, young man, tell me your name. Jesus would many times go to someone who is suffering and ask him, what can I do for you? And the person would say, I want to see, because he would have that conversation. But because I didn't take a moment to say, Holy Spirit, what is the right thing for me to do here? Let's spend time in the presence of God where we're able to ask him. Going into a difficult business meeting, take a moment and say, God, what is the right thing to do? What should I say in this meeting? How should I make this presentation? I was very, well, very synonymous, so people knew me in school. I always used to get into the exam room before everyone, and I would pray. Say, God, please bring unto remembrance the things that I've studied. And the Holy Spirit, give me a few more things that I didn't look at, right? But I would pray before I did anything. When we go on long trips, my family will tell you, before we get onto the highway, religious in our family, we pray and we say, God... We're going on this long trip to Durban or to Johannesburg, wherever we're driving to, protect us and guide us because we are plugged in and we want to remain in the presence of God. And so it's not a once-off thing. And so let's not be in that habit where we think the presence of God has to be on a poster. 
Come on Friday evening to a Holy Spirit fire night. Come on Sunday, Prophet Matthew is breaking chains on Sunday morning. No. The presence of God is consistently with us. We walk with him every day, every single step that we take. Abide in prayer and worship. This morning I got rebuked as I was uh, driving to church. I left out fasting there. I'm one of those guys who fasts uh, the first week of January when we have the corporate fast. And after the fast, I'm like, hello, McDonald's. Did you miss me? <laughs> let's, let's, let's fast throughout the year. This is how we abide in him. Let's not be people who get tired in prayer. Have you met people who can binge a series? Like on Friday night until Saturday morning, they've watched the whole season of a series. But if you say we're having a prayer meeting for 45 minutes, they're constantly going... Because we need to abide in prayer. Abide in, in, in with other believers. Abide in faith and obedience. Abide in giving in good works. Abide in seeking the lost. Abide in believers with other believers. Do not give up the spirit of meeting together. Because God desires for us to be together like this. This is how you remain plugged in. I'll close with this. In Isaiah chapter 5, This is a prophecy of Isaiah. You'll find it also in the book of Jeremiah, very similar. Isaiah starts to write and he says, I want to sing a song for my vineyard. And I brought this illustration just to to use it as an example. By the way, this is a plant that I bought a couple of months ago, and I'm embarrassed to say that this is the state. But you know, guys, sometimes you wake up on a Saturday morning and you feel like, I want to do something around the house, right? So I just woke up and I was like, I want to go and do some gardening. And I bought a plant and, sorry, earth, <laughs> yeah, I, need, I need to do a better job. But this is a plant. And God says, I want to sing a song from a vineyard. And he says, my beloved had a vineyard. Picture this as a vineyard. And this vineyard, he says, was placed on a fruitful hill. It says God took the time to take these vines and to go to a fruitful hill with all the good soil and uh, all the good nutrients and good sunlight, and he planted this vineyard. And he says he fenced it, right? He said God took the time to go and put a hedge of protection around this vineyard. And he said he chose out the, cho- the, the best stones and planted it with the best vines and he built a tower in the middle of it and he made a wine press therein and he looked at it hoping that it would bring grapes but it brought white grapes. He said God did all these things. He took this vineyard, he put a fence so that people would not come and, and, and break in and he put the best materials and he, he built it up and he protected it and he's like, I, I, I'm doing all of this so that this vineyard would produce good fruit. What are the things that God has done for us in our lives? The relationships that he has fortified, the income that he has given us, the health that we have, the family that is around us, all these good and precious gifts that come from the Father. This vineyard, God has placed all these nice things for this vineyard and God is saying, when I come back to this vineyard, I'm expecting to see some good fruit. But then God comes and he says, he sees only wild and bad fruit. And then he says, inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard that I have not done for it? Jesus is saying, what more could I have done for you? I went to the cross of Calvary. I was crucified and I died a gruesome and painful death on a cross so that you may be plugged into the vine. What more could I have done for you? I came down from the heaven of heavens. I took on the nature of a man and I walked amongst you revealed so that you may have relationship with me. What more could I have done 
for you. He says, when you cried out and you were lonely and you had no friends and you went on your knees, I came through for you. When you asked for healing and for breakthrough, I fought for you. When you had lack in your family, when you had situations that were over your head and you called on the name of the Lord, I fought your battles. What more could I have done for you? This morning, the Spirit of the Lord is hovering around this room and looking at us as vines and saying, are you making a decision this morning to remain in me? Are you making a decision this morning to abide in me? Are you making a decision this morning to say, God, you are the true vine. You are my true source. You are the place that I stay, that I remain in, that I'm intricately plugged into, that I do not move away from. God, I want more of you this morning. I want your goodness and your grace and your power and your love and your spirit and your wisdom. I want all these things to be evident in my life. I want them to be visible in my life. I want them to be abundant in my life because I am plugged in. I am connected. I am in touch. I am constantly remaining, abiding, founded in the source, in the true vine, in the true vine. Father, we're thankful this morning that it is our heart's desire not just to sing songs, not just to say words, not just to memorize words from the Bible, not just to do actions of goodness, not just to have good names, not just to be liked by people, not just to accumulate wealth, not just to have fun lives, not just to have big houses, not just to have good reputations in the community, but Father, we want to abide in you. We long to just remain plugged and connected to you as the true source. You have told us, Lord, that without you, Lord, we can do nothing. Thank you, Father, because remaining in you and abiding in you and spending time with you and hanging out with you, Jesus, is a small picture of where we are going. After all these things have passed and the earth has given way and the, the, the judgment has happened, Father, we will abide with you eternally in heaven. And therefore, Lord, we start to train ourselves to abide with you here on earth. Father, if there are things in our lives that are holding us back, things that we have prioritized, things that we seek, things that we desire, things that we fight for and strive for and work hard for and study for, Father, things that are pushing us away from the true vine. Father, may you work in our hearts, may you open our hearts this morning. If there are things, Lord, that we've held on to, offenses or grudges or, or things we have not forgiven, any weight that we're carrying that is stopping us from connecting directly, directly with you. Father, may those things be removed. Just remembering, Lord, just in, in chapter 16 of John, it says that Jesus, you went with your three disciples and you went to a secret place with them and you asked them to pray uh, and to remain praying whilst you went to have time with the Father. You came back and you found them sleeping and you say to them, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Father, if we are weak in our bodies, if we are weak in, 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 in our commitment, if we are weak in our desire and we can't master, master enough time to, to read your word, we can't master enough time uh, and space in our own calendars to, to spend time praying and seeking your face, if we don't have enough desire, Lord, to, 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 to just separate ourselves and spend time with you, plugged with you. Father, I'm praying for, 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 for that spirit of, of, of desire. Father, that, that hunger, that thirst, your word says, though that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Father, we're praying for a thirst and a hunger to abide with you. A hunger and a thirst, Father, to spend time with you. A hunger and a thirst, Lord, to, to, to be covered by your presence and your spirit. Father, may we be a friend of God. May we be a friend of God. May we walk with you as we go
go in and as we go out, Father, as we, as we spend time, Father, with our families and our friends, Father, drop words of wisdom, drop words of knowledge, Almighty Father, give us prophecy, give us anointing, Father, as we visit our friends and our family who may be sick, Father, may you give us the anointing to lay our hands, as the Bible says, that they may be healed, all for the glory and the power of your name, Lord Jesus. May we abide in you. May we spend time with you. May we remain in you. May we be plugged to you. Father, may spending time with you not be a burden. May we not find it difficult. May we not find it as if our time is being wasted when we spend time with you. May we not prioritize other things above you. The Bible tells us of, of David seeing the Ark of the Covenant coming into Jerusalem and him dancing up to a point where even his family were saying, hey, why are you dancing like this? But there was joy, there was joy that he knew that the presence of the Lord was coming. There is a joy. The psalmist says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Oh God, I would rather be a servant and a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Father, may we find joy. The writer also says, uh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. May we find joy abiding in you. May we not find, find as if it's a waste of our time. We're doing this to tick a box. We're doing this so that when they look, they can see I was there. May, do it, may we do it because we love abiding with you. And Don Moen sang and he said, Lord, I want to be where you are surrounded by your presence sitting at your table Lord surrounded by your glory in your presence oh God that is where I long I long to be Father I thank you this morning that your, 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 your spirit is moving and someone this morning is making a decision is making a decision to abide more someone this morning is making a decision to go and open that Bible. Someone right now is making the decision. Some family right now is making the decision to have a conversation when they get home about when do we pray in this household. Thank you, Lord, that someone is making a decision to make space to find a way to get back, to be plugged in, to remain and to abide Amen. with you.
Exactly, but D.L. Moody said, If a man has so much business that he cannot pray, he should deeply reconsider if such business is even from God. Some of us need to reprioritize our lives this morning. Because we've just been dipping, it's not sufficient. It's just not. Second thing I want to say is just like that prophecy from Isaiah, what more could I have done? And we stand in front of God with our lists of what He should have done. As if at any point, that's how we should face Him. No, we face Him in humility and meekness that He even would have considered us and loved us so much that He has given everything that we need. Some of us need to lay down some things that we've held up to God and say, you should have. And not be like that prophecy. If God would come, there's no fruit. And what more should I have done? Yes, people disappoint. Yes, this world disappoints. Constantly and always. But not the Lord. And thirdly, this song saying, there is a resurrection life. I believe that God wants to resurrect some of you this morning as you connect to the vine, that there's been a dormancy and a death in your relationship with Him. You've got a choice this morning, and it's simple. Are you accepting that? Or are you like, yeah, it's quarter to 11, the kids. <laughs> the best thing you can do for your kids is to accept the fullness that Jesus has for you this morning. And there's a team there that I spoke, and I said, it might take a little longer this morning. Grace over you. Yeah, but there's an appointment. You know what? The best thing you can do for the appointment today should just make a decision for the Lord for a moment. Promise you. So those three things. Reprioritize for a moment. Think about your life and say, Holy Spirit, show me. Has the seeming busyness of this world been truly of you or not? And if it's not, Lord, Help me make quality decisions today to reorder my life. 15 minutes to get a takeout coffee and drink it could be replaced with 15 minutes of closing your eyes and reading a few scriptures. We do have time. It's a matter of priority. So Spirit of God, will you speak to your people this morning to make quality decisions to abide to prioritize you and pray and your word and faith community. Lord, I pray that people would make such radical decisions today, not out of law, not out of judgment, but out of a desire for you that they would even say, you know what we can do without television in the house for a year because we are going to learn to abide afresh. Lord, whatever it is your spirit wants to speak to your children to this morning that they've got to set straight I pray will you speak may they leave you knowing I can do these simple things to create an environment of abiding secondly Lord I pray Lord if any of us in this room have held up our list of things that we were in arrogance Expecting should happen. And we haven't just trusted our Father that says all the things you need, I will give you. Forgive us, Jesus. 
forgive us this morning as you do. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross that time and time again forgives us, Father. And I ask on behalf of this church today, Father, let us not stand in arrogance before you, in familiarity with our lists, but let that which you have given to us be sufficient and enough. We won't want to add anything to it. And definitely, Lord, we won't take away anything from it. In this house, Lord, we will say that the Lord has given is sufficient and it's more than enough. Lord, and I pray, and if this is you this morning, just where you sit, just reach out. If you say, I need a touch of the Spirit of the Lord to resurrect in me again my relationship with Him. If that's you, just raise your hands. I just want to pray corporately for all of us that has a hunger and a desire. Just put it up. Lord, you see these hands. But more than those hands, Lord, you see the hearts that are hungry and thirsty for you. Jesus, and you have brought us resurrection life to live in right here and right now, Father. It is not something that is still ahead of us, Lord. We can dwell and live and abide there. So I pray this morning where some feel like this plant that is dry and has not had water for such a long time. Will you be there well spring again? Lord, will your word open to up to them again, Father? May your spirit come and bring life to the word as they reach it. May they find community in church with friends again, Father, and be resurrected once more in their relationship with you, Lord. Let there be nothing in this world that satisfy greater than being with you, Lord. May we be like David who says, I have searched the heavens and the earth and there's nothing I desire in this world besides knowing you, Father. Lord, give us a sense this morning of what Isaiah saw when he was in the presence, in the room of your throne. And all he needed was just to say, Lord, here am I. Take my life. So I pray, Father, may new life come to those this morning needed in their spirit. Lord, but may it not remain with us, Father. May we leave these doors and take it to a world that is so thirsty. And may we actually have faith that when we say Jesus and speak about Jesus, I don't care if people hate us for it, but we've got the answer to life. And that is you. So may we take this wellspring with us into the world so that more can abide in the life that you have for us. May our excuses stop keeping us seemingly safe from a world that is desperately thirsty. For a people who say that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life. And people who don't just say it, but they live there daily. We ask these things in faith. But Lord, not just faith, we put action to it today. And we say, Father, we prioritize relationship with you and put it first thank you for the testimonies from Matt's own life this morning Lord if there's people that need to make difficult decisions today let your word and your expectations be their guide and let them trust you I pray Lord that this week we will hear testimonies of alignment that has come and breakthrough because people have said Jesus first I follow Jesus before I follow anything else. I bless your people this week, Lord, with a sense of the love of the Father. How much you love them that you just want to be near them. I bless them, Lord, with a sense of the forgiveness at the cross that when we step out of abiding, we can quickly come back and turn back to you because of what you've done on the cross. And I bless them this morning, Father, with that ever indwelling close comfort, guidance, peace and leading of your spirit upon them. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Go and abide this week. Thank you, Matt, for ministering. Thank you, team, for preparing an environment. Thank you, intercessors, for praying for this morning. I know how this goes. Out the door, boom, let's go on. Let the Lord minister to you from this moment into the day. Speak about it in your cars. Speak about it around your lunch tables. 
take it into tonight. When you go down to sleep tonight, take 10 minutes and meditate on today again. Abide. It's up to you. And I tell you what's on the other side waiting is glorious. And nothing can compare. Not even the title deeds of all the properties in your family can compare to the beauty that God has for you. So I bless you with that this week. And uh, see you at prayer. Come and abide with us on Thursday night. An hour at the water slides. Maybe we end up baptizing people there. If you want to be baptized, Thursday night is an opportunity. <laughs> Let us know. There's a pool. We can do it. But we're going to pray and we're going to abide together. Have an awesome day and see you soon.